in Hebrews 11, God gives us many examples of people, people who were just like us, but they had this one exceptional quality called faith. Faith pleases God, and in a very real sense, it's the key to everything. I mean, you can't, you, people say that about a lot of things, but in regards to faith, it's, it's true. In a very real sense, faith is just, it's the key to everything. It, oh, it's the currency of the kingdom. It really opens up to our enjoyment, to our experiential, uh, to our experience, all that God has for us. Every one of these people in this chapter were different. They all did different things. Abraham left his home. Noah built an ark. Moses refused the honor of being Pharaoh's daughter. Joshua defeated Jericho. Some were tortured and put to death. But they all did what they did with faith in God. And God is not asking us to all be alike or to do the same thing or to walk the same path but he is asking us all to live by faith but their faith their faith in God had a certain quality to it that I think we often miss and because we miss it we often think we are living by faith when we really are not Faith is confidence in God. Hebrews 11.1 1 in the NIV says, Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Hebrews 10.35, Do not throw away your confidence. That's basically saying, Do not throw away your faith. Hebrews 3.14, for we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold fast our original confidence firm to the end. That's saying hold fast your original, vibrant, robust faith all the way to the end. But there's one additional crucial element of faith that we must understand and this is what I felt God was teaching me. And we see this in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 6. We are Christ's house if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm to the end. Faith is a kind of audacious, bold confidence in God that rises to the level of boasting in God. We hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm to the end to the end. So faith rises to the level of boasting in God and boasting in our hope in God. Paul said the same thing in Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And I know some translations say we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Some say we exult in hope of the glory of God. But the word that's that's used there is in almost every other place in the New Testament is translated boast. We boast in the hope of the glory of God. Why do we love Romans chapter 8 so much? 
because it is filled with this kind of joyous boasting in God. If God is for us, who can be against us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No! In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Do you, do you, do you feel the boast? Yes. Okay. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, we love that so much because it expresses biblical faith. We love that so much because it expresses big confidence in God and even arises to the level of boasting in it. We love Luther's hymn, A Mighty Fortress, because most of it is a boast in God and in our hope in God. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also, the body they may kill, but God's truth abideth still, his kingdom is forever. And we, we like those lines because it expresses real faith, and real faith has this kind of big confidence in it. Real faith, as I say, rises to this level of a boast in God. Well, right as I was being taught these things by the Spirit, or by, as, as God was emphasizing these things to me, and you know how God works. You, you, you kind of hear something from one direction and and then God brings the same thing to you from another person or another direction that just confirms that, yeah, this, this is really something God's showing you. Well, right when I was thinking about these things and I felt like God, God was kind of opening up my mind or clarifying them more to me, uh, I heard an interview of a guy named Josh Moody. I'd never heard of him before. He's a pastor, I think, out of Wheaton, Illinois. Very sound Bible teacher. But he, he had written a book called Boasting. And the title of the book is Boasting, When We Boast Right, We Live Right, and We Bear Much Fruit. And I love that title. When we boast right, we live right. And I'm not sure we ever do get to the point of living right if we're not boasting right in God. He said, Paul used the word boast as an audacious and brave, confident and deliberate act of rejoicing. It is something active, not passive. It is something that may appear even outlandish, audacious, and certainly of a kind of rejoicing with brave courage. You know, sometimes we talk at a, what I would call kind of a low level kind of faith, and I'm not sure it really is faith. I mean, we, we say, well, yeah, you know, I know God is there, and, and somehow... Someday everything's going to work out. I, I, you know, I guess God is good and uh, maybe someday things will get better. But there's, there's no joyous confidence. There's, there's no boast in it. Um, sometimes we sound like the things that God has done for us. 
And I'm talking about everything from the cross to the promise of heaven. Sometimes we, sometimes we talk like or we sound like those things don't have any real value to us. But when we boast, we're sounding like those things really mean a lot to us. They really matter. We really treasure these things and we are really happy about having these things. And that's, that's, how, we, that's how we talk. So we boast in the hope of sharing the glory of God. We boast in God. We say, great is thy faithfulness, O Lord, unto me. That's, that's, how, that's how we talk. You know, a person fits in very well with the world today if they say, well, I'm just not the kind of person who wears my faith on my sleeve. Or my faith is a private matter. Well, I really don't have a problem with people in the world talking that way. But when Christians start thinking that way, that is a problem. When we start thinking, well, my faith is just kind of a, a private matter. Something is wrong. I mean, actually, something is wrong if we are not boasting in God. And I'm not saying you have to be out on the street corner, you know, shouting this out. But I'm talking about even in our homes, just even in our heart and in our homes and in our lives as we're going through our life, we're just saying, we're just saying hey, God is good. We have, and man, the Lord is so good. His loving kindness is everlasting. We have such a hope. We have so much to look forward to. Listen to these uh, statements of faith and see if you see the confidence, even the boasting in these verses. And honestly, when I, when I felt like God sort of clarified this thing to me, it was like everywhere I read in the Bible, I saw this. I mean, almost like on every page of the Bible, you see this, this kind of faith. Psalm 18, David said, By my God, I can leap over a wall. I love that. By you, O Lord, I can run against a troop. Or Psalm 3.6, I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Or this one from Daniel. If we are thrown into this blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hands. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. I like that. That's a, that's a, that's a strong statement of faith. Or this one from Hebrews 11. We aren't told exactly what Moses said, but I love this. Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He was offered all the glory and the treasure of Egypt, and he turned it down. He said, I've got something better, way better than that to live for. And it says that he regarded the disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to the reward. And we just got back from Egypt and I don't believe there's any other civilization, perhaps Rome, other than Rome, that had such incredible glory. And we saw some of the structures that were there uh, when Moses was there. I mean, the pyramids were there when Moses was there. A lot of the things that we saw, I mean, the, the massive, temp, unbelievably massive temples, and there's, you know, this is, this is in their state of ruin. 
But when, when uh, Moses was there, the glory and the treasure and the wealth of Egypt was just, just mind-boggling. And he refused that. He refused that in order to suffer with God's people. He chose that. He chose to suffer. It was, a, it was a statement of faith because of his confidence in God. So faith sees God as really big and great and good, and it talks that way and it walks that way. And so I just ask you this morning, ask myself, are we talking this way and are we walking this way? And we get that from the Bible. We get that from the Word of God. I mean, the Word of God is just filled with incredible statements of this kind of bold, audacious, confident, robust faith. I'm convinced that we cannot have biblical faith in God and talk most of the time or even all of the time like just how bad off things are and like we have nothing to live for and nothing to be happy about and nothing to rejoice in. Faith is looking at the things that are unseen, the things that are eternal, and living and talking in such a way that our lives are like a megaphone saying, these unseen things are what really matter to me and these unseen things are unbelievably valuable to me. We are looking ahead, like Abraham, we're looking ahead to the reward. And like Moses, we regard it as of greater value than all the treasures of the world. And so we, we boast in that. We, we boast in our hope of glory. From Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is a lot, a lot of us just a boast in the Lord. Uh, faith, faith boasts in the Lord's provision. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. That's another translation of I shall not want. But that's basically what it means. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. We're boasting in the Lord's provision. Faith boasts in the Lord's presence. Even when I walk through a valley of darkness and death, I will not be afraid because you are with me. Faith boasts in the Lord's protection. Psalm 18, the Lord is my rock. The Lord is my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my stronghold, in whom I take refuge, my shield, the glory of my salvation, and my high tower. It's like after going through all these things, oh, let me think of one more thing. Oh, yeah, and the Lord is my high tower. This is, these are statements of robust faith. They're statements of boasting in God and in his protection. So faith boasts in the Lord's provision, the Lord's presence, and the Lord's protection. And I want to be careful how I say this because I, I don't want to say it to, to condemn anyone because I'm speaking to myself as much as, as anybody here. But anything less than that is not really biblical faith. Our relationship with God must have this element of robust, confident, and faith. And many times we, we would say, well, well, yeah, I, mean, I think I'm living by faith. 
when, when we're really just kind of nibbling around the edges of what real faith is. Faith is a wholehearted buying into God. Sometimes we do believe God through our tears. Sometimes we feel we're barely holding on. I get that, and I've been there. But we can't live there all the time. You know, there's there's a, a friend that I've known over, over the years, and I think every time you get together with him, he says, well, I'm still kind of out in the wilderness, uh, you know, just kind of wandering around in the wilderness. Well, faith has to move on from that to, 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 to this bold, robust attitude of confidence in God. And again, I'm not sure that faith is real faith till, till it becomes or has this element of boasting in God. Faith is believing and reveling in the things God has given us and the glorious things that are ahead of us. You know, we might say, well, I wish I had that kind of faith, but I just don't, and so that's that. Well, we've all been there. I'm not, I'm not saying that we, that, that we all have this kind of robust faith at all times. But we shouldn't, we shouldn't just throw it overboard like that's, that's for them, but it's not something that I can experience. As I was preparing this message, I was, I was thinking, it, it is sometimes challenging or hard to, to live in faith the way that God wants us to, but it, it really isn't all that mysterious. Francis Schaeffer defined faith as ceasing to call God a liar. You know, and I, I like that. If we just stop and think the way that we're living and the way that we're talking, a lot of times, essentially, we're calling God a liar. We're living in denial of, of all the wealth and the riches and the love and the promises that he's given us. Faith is simply beginning to really take God at his word and hanging your life and your future and your thoughts and your emotions and how you talk and how you walk on what God says. And then one additional thing that, and this is pretty subjective, I'm going to admit that, admit that. So you, if, you don't want, if you don't want this point, you can, you can, you can just forget it. But one additional thing that I felt God emphasized to me, and again, this is a very kind of personal, subjective thing, but I felt that he, he emphasized to me that this bold, confident assertions of faith makes the Christian life much easier and much more joyful than half-hearted, lame, or lukewarm kinds of faith in which we sometimes tend to wallow. In other words, I mean, it's just a whole lot harder to live with, with sort of half faith instead of big faith. It really is. I mean, it's like, it's like big faith kind of gets you over the hump and it's a really good place. And this half faith kind of just gets you up, up, up the side of the hill and you're pushing and trying to get to a better place and well, let's I mean let's just get on over the mountain and live on the other side in, in big faith and big confidence in God and the, the, the image or the thought that came to my mind was this the game the child's game of Red Rover if you've ever played Red Rover you know something about what I'm talking about 
I mean, everybody lines up in a row and you hold hands and you say, Red Rover, Red Rover, send Reed or Josh or Brian or whoever right over. And if you break through the line, you get to take one of that team back to your team. And if you don't break through the line, then you're captured and you stay with the other team. I hope I have that right. But if they say, Red Rover, Red Rover, send Reed or Lana or David or whoever, you know, right over, and you just kind of saunter up to that line and meekly press into that row of locked arms, you're not going to break through that line. But if you make a bold and confident dash toward that barrier, it's usually relatively easy to break through. And that's kind of the way it is, is with faith. I mean, you just, you, 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 you push through all that the devil has in front of you. You push through all the darkness. You push through the host of demons and devils by a, a bold, confident, robust, boasting kind of faith. It's just better. It's just a way better way to live with, with all-out faith. I used to read, well, I read many times, I'll put it this way. I read the missionary biography of C.T. Studd. And C.T. Studd, pioneer cricketer. And there, there was probably nobody that expressed robust faith more than C.T. Studd. And I wish I could give you about 25 quotes from him, but I just narrowed it down to a couple. He said, is there a wall in our path by our God? We will leap over it. That's from Psalm 18. Are there lions and scorpions in our way? We will trample them under our feet. Does a mountain bar our progress saying, be thou cast into the sea, we will march on. Soldiers of Jesus never surrender. Let us not glide through this world and then slip quietly into heaven without having blown the trumpet loud and long for our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Let us see to it that the devil will hold a thanksgiving service in hell when he gets the news of our departure from the field of battle. We will live and we will die for him and we will do it with his joy unspeakable, singing aloud in our hearts. And if you know anything about C.T. Studd's life, I mean, he, he was incredible, inherited incredible wealth just gave it all away, went to be a missionary uh, in China first, then India, then settled in, in Africa. But he was just always had this kind of remarkable, um, robust, bold faith. Great, if you're looking for a missionary biography to read, C.T. Studd, Pioneer and Cricketeer. Faith is an attitude of your heart. Romans 10.10 10, it is with the heart that you believe and are justified. It starts in your heart. We're talking about something that, that's going on inside of you. It has to start there. Adolf Sapphire, uh, I think older commentator, I think 19th century, has great commentary in Hebrews. He said, faith is a radical and essential disposition of heart towards God that consists at all times of a firm confidence of unseen and future realities. 
Faith beholds spiritual realities and future blessings and so grasps and cherishes them as to prefer them to things visible and to make them the object and the joy of life. That's a pretty good definition of what faith is. So the root of faith is this inward confidence in God. The the fruit of faith is acting on that confidence. We see from Hebrews that faith is not shrinking back away from God. We just we looked at that at, at, at the end of Hebrews 10 that God said, you know, if, if he shrinks back from me, my soul takes no pleasure in him. That's, that's, really, that's really the anti-faith or the opposite of faith is shrinking back from God. Faith, faith moves toward God. So faith is not shrinking back, but moving toward God, moving toward what God says, moving toward what God values, moving toward what he rewards. And so this life of faith flows from this heart of faith. So faith not only talks, you know, we're not just, talk, we're not just talking about talking this morning, okay? Uh, faith not only talks, but it, it obeys God with a complete abandonment because we believe that God really is there and that he really is a rewarder of those who seek him. And that's what we see in Hebrews 11. We see men and women throughout this whole chapter who really believe that God is there. And they really believed that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And they really believed that that reward was worth going after. And the life of faith often looks bold and audacious to the human way of thinking. Uh, At Life Group uh, Wednesday night, uh, David Bryan called Hebrews 11 the illogical and unreasonable life of the faithful. I love that. I hope I got that right, David. (laughs) I thought that was really good. The illogical and unreasonable life of the faithful. Why? Because confidence in God leads to living a life for God and for the unseen riches and the unseen future glory. And most people really can't understand that. The Hebrews, the Hebrew people that were being written to once had that kind of faith. Hebrews 10, 34, remember those earlier days. Remember those earlier days. You joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had a better and lasting possession. They once had that kind of faith. They once had a a, a really robust confidence in God. I mean, when you can accept your property being plundered or stolen or vandalized and do it joyfully, you've got faith. I mean, that's faith. And that's the kind of faith and confidence in God that they once had. But they were in danger of letting it slip away. And so the author of Hebrews is, is calling them back to that. And he says, don't throw away your, the original confidence that you had. 
And so the author of Hebrews is basically trying to rekindle again this, that kind of original confidence or that kind of original faith that they had in God. And so, so he, he puts before them uh, men and women of faith, men and women who walk by faith, who had this kind of robust faith in God. And that's, I mean, that's basically what Hebrews 11 is. It's these different stories of men and women who had the kind of faith that the author of Hebrews is trying to reignite in the people that he's writing to in the book of Hebrews. He talks about Noah. God told Noah to build a a gigantic boat because he was going to judge the world with a flood. You know, it says back in Genesis, it says, Noah did just as God commanded him to do. And actually, if you read the story, he told Noah, you know, build this boat. It gave him the dimensions, I think, like 450 feet long and 75 feet wide, 50 feet tall. Massive, massive, massive boat. And then he told Moses, and take two of every living thing and bring into the, into the boat. I mean, what would you think if God told you, hey, go, to, go build a boat out here just on the north side of Ankeny, and then I want you to get two of every living thing on earth and bring into the boat? How would you respond? It says, and, 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 Mo, and Noah did precisely one version one translation says that Moses did precisely what God told him to do that's faith that's confidence so later on he tells them that he will bring the the creatures into the boat thankfully but still Moses his response was to do it he built this gigantic boat and dry land hundreds of miles from any big body of water because he was that confident in what God says verse 7 it says by faith Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household and then verse 8 our passage that we read this morning by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance and he went out not knowing where he was going I mean that had to look crazy or foolish to leave everything and everybody that you knew and to go live somewhere that God said was for you. God said, I'm going to give you this place as an inheritance, but it's, and we can't even fathom how, this would be like um, almost telling us to go to the moon. I mean, this place where Moses was, or Abraham was told to go so far from his homeland and different, Different, different land, different culture, different people. But Abraham was so confident that what God had for him was better that he left the earthly land he owned. He left his family, left all that he was familiar with, and he went. That's confidence in God. That's robust confidence in God. God said, go. And Abraham said, of course. Faith believes the kingdom of God and the new heaven and the new earth are real. And we live for, we live ultimately for God's kingdom. And we look to the glory of the reward that is out in front of us. It's unseen, but we live for that. By faith, we see that. We see that out there by faith. 
And we believe it because we have confidence in God. And so we live for that. And we rejoice in that. You know, Jesus told us to seek first the kingdom of God. That's basically a matter of faith. If we, if we, if we, if we have a, any kind of um, bold confidence in God, that's going to automatically just translate into seeking first the kingdom of God, living first and foremost for the kingdom of God. Abraham and Sarah were childless and they were old. God appeared to Abraham and he took him outside and he told him to look up at the stars and he said, so shall your offspring be. He showed him the stars and said, Abraham, can you count all these? And in, a, in that day and age where there's no light pollution and it's dark at night, I mean, you can see gazillion stars. He took Abraham out there, pointed to all these stars and he said, so shall so your offspring be. And you know what the next statement in the Bible is? And Abraham believed God. God said, so shall your offspring be. And Abraham said, of course. You're God. I believe you. Sarah thought the promise of a child in her old age was so outlandish, it says in Genesis, that she laughed. She chuckled about it. And yet it says here in Hebrews that she believed God and by faith Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. That's, that's confidence in God. When you're that old, when you're that old and God says you're gonna have a child, that's confidence in God. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Verse 35 of, this, of Hebrews 11. Then there were those who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. One of the most amazing statements, I think, in Hebrews 11 and really demonstrates a level of confidence in God that is I mean just just boggles boggles the mind it's like their attitude was okay you you want to saw me in two uh, or you want to cut my head off go ahead I'll rise from the dead to a better life with a better body and a better reward I mean, that was, that's really the attitude that's captured here. That's the kind of faith that was driving them as they faced this persecution and torture and even death. They refused to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. That's faith. That's robust faith. When you can face torture or even death, and say, go ahead, go ahead. I'm going to rise to an even better resurrection, an even greater reward. Well, here's, the, here's why this kind of faith that we're talking about this morning, here's why this really matters. It's because God is pleased 
with this kind of faith. God is pleased with this confident, robust kind of faith. And when God sees that we have faith in him and in his reward and in the, the future glory that he's, he has out in front of us, and when he sees that that matters to us, that we value it, and that, that we've set our lives in a direction to go after that, when, God's, when God sees that, what does he say? He says, I am not ashamed to be called your God. If that's the kind of faith you have, he says, I'm not ashamed to be called your God. What a powerful motivation. Verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a homeland if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. If you think that all that God has done for you in Jesus, and if you think that all that God has for you in the future through Jesus, if you think that is really worth living for and worth boasting in and worth being excited about and worth rejoicing in and worth setting your life in that direction, then God is not ashamed to be called your God. How many would like to have God say, I'm not ashamed to be that person's God? Sam Storms put it this way, a life of faith makes God proud of you. It is as if God looks at the hearts of men and women and he sees you boldly, confidently trusting him and he says to the angels, look at that man, look at that woman. Her husband deserted her and she doesn't have as many resources as she used to and yet she is confident in me. Her eyes are on me and the plans that I have for her. She is overflowing with hope because she believes the things that I have promised her are of great value. I am not ashamed to be called her God. So I pray, my prayer this morning is that God would lead us into this kind of faith which actually I don't think it's I think it's just real faith I think it's just biblical faith it's just that it's just that we're so used to the watered down version uh, we think this is kind of a different version <laughs> no this is just this is just bible faith we're talking about this morning but we just get used to living with kind of a lukewarm watered down kind of faith by faith we look to Christ crucified and we say that he loved me and gave himself for me we look at the cross and we boast in the cross and all that Jesus obtained for us for as far as forgiveness of sins and access to God by faith we believe that God poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit 
By faith, we believe that we stand in grace, not in condemnation. By faith, we receive the Holy Spirit, and we believe living waters will flow out of our innermost being. By faith, we are continually aware that Christ lives in us and that we have continual access directly to God. By faith, we know that all things work together for our good. By faith, we look forward joyfully to a massive weight of future glory with Christ. But every one of these things is grasped by faith. And we don't believe these things timidly. You can't believe these things half-heartedly. We boast in them. So there's two applications uh, for us today. First one is, what is your problem or need today? What is it that's kind of standing in front of you that's, that's just, a, just an obstacle? It's, it's, it seems really big. It seems really hard or challenging or difficult. What's, what's, what, what problem or need is before you today? Well, first application is come up with the biggest boast in God that you can about your current situation. Go find it in the Bible. There's one there, and if you don't know where to go, I mean, start with Psalm 23. But, you know, Psalm 23, everybody, everybody knows Psalm 23. But for most people, it's like this plaque that they have up on the wall. Uh, or something that they've maybe memorized as a kid. Start actually believing it. Start actually believing every single line of that. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, or some translations say, even though I walk through a valley of deep darkness, I will not be afraid, for you are with me. Or you prepare a table before me, even in the presence of my enemies. But go somewhere, go find, go find uh, a statement of faith and make, come up with the biggest boast in God that you can about your current situation. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. These, these, these things, this kind of boasting in God, it's all over the Bible. I mean, I'm trusting that once, once we've seen it this morning, it'll just, it'll just jump out at us from everywhere. This is not positive thinking. This is not just saying, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think more positively about life. It, it is trusting in something God, is trusting in who God is and trusting in what he has said to us, what he has said to us in his word. All right, secondly, practice boasting in God. I mean, almost anything that we do well, we have to practice, right? You know, and I, on, while we're on our trip, I, people ask, they ask about some things in your life, what's going on, what you do, and so forth. And I, I got kind of convicted. I was saying, well, well, I, 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 I said, okay, God, help me to start out every sentence with God. God did this. God blessed this. God helped me with this. Uh, practice boasting in God and all that he has given us in Jesus, forgiveness, grace, access, 
a love so big we can't even comprehend it. Start boasting in all that, he, that we already have, that we already have in Jesus. And then practice boasting in all the glory that is, head, that is ahead of us because of Jesus. You know, Paul said, he viewed all his sufferings and he, he said, I, I, just, I call that stuff momentary light affliction. I call that small stuff <laughs> because of the massive, eternal weight of glory that is being produced for me right now in heaven. So let, let this kind of boasting in the cross, boasting in Jesus, boasting in God, let this become the air you breathe, the, your frame of mind and attitude of heart. And I'm gonna close by sharing an example that Cindy shared at our life group Wednesday night. Uh, we were up at the cafe in Ames and we didn't know that uh, Edna May, David and Mary's mother was there, but she was there some, with a friend. And uh, so we, we just ran into her unexpectedly. She was, just, she was sitting there on the bench uh, as you walk out of the cafe. And Edna May asked Cindy, well, how, are you, how are you doing? And Cindy said, well, we're doing great. And Edna May, just without a moment's hesitation, said, well, of course, why wouldn't you be doing great? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? That's, that's because she's, she had practiced God thinking, practiced boasting in God, practiced this kind of confidence in God. So, who here wants this kind of faith? And who here want, who, who wants us to be a church that lives in this kind of faith? You know, let's, let's just join our hearts.